Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Great pleasure to be back on board once again as we wrap up the 10th regular season in the history of Purple Mafia with a 13-3 record. Yes, the 2017 Vikings are the best team in the history of the Purple Mafia show that started in... Well, April 2008, so yeah, the 10th full season of Purple Mafia. It has been an incredible honor, and I'm announcing my retirement. Okay, I'm just kidding. No, not yet. And I'm not going to make it about me, even though I could. No, I have no reason to make it about me. 13-3 uh, and three football team heading into the playoffs with some golden opportunities, but some very tough competition waiting for us as well. But at least we're not waiting for... The 94-49ers or the 92 or 93 Dallas Cowboys. That's the good part, but still the competition is stiff nonetheless. And should the Vikings get to the, to the place of destiny, U.S. Bank Stadium, which would be the happiest ending in the history of a professional football franchise, win your first Super Bowl championship after almost 60 years in your home stadium, there, there is no happier ending than that. And the possibilities exist and persist. Um, continuing good news is I'll get to the game in a second. But I got to say this now so I don't forget. The NFL has made a very interesting and very exciting exception, apparently. Should the Vikings get to the Super Bowl? Now, generally speaking, it's a flip-flop every year. And I guess it figures that the uh, <laughs> NFC team would be on the road in an NFC stadium. Get it? They'd be on the road. Funny how that works. And then, you know, every other year. So, like last year, the AFC team was the road team. That's why you saw the New England Patriots wearing the road whites. But... In the very rare case that the home team would would actually be in the Super Bowl in their home stadium, that the team that hosts the stadium, that plays in the stadium, the main tenant of the stadium, would get to the Super Bowl, that the Minnesota Vikings will don their purple jerseys in the stadium. They will be the home team in the in the Super Bowl. If they do get there, they will be able to be in their own locker room, not the visitors' locker room. So that ends the awkwardness right here, right now. The Minnesota Vikings would be the home team in Super Bowl Fifty Two. And I said would. I said would, not will be, because it's not it's not in stone yet. Let's let's get there. Please, uh, NFL history, Vikings history, we got to try to ignore the ghosts of the past. We got to do our best to do that. We have a quarterback that has been the starting quarterback for the better part of the season, but before that wasn't even here. So that's the most interesting part. And it's not a crazy guy like Brett Favre, as wonderful as he was, who will make crazy dumb decisions at the last second, which the Green Bay Packers fans found out about 11 years after their first Super Bowl championship in you know a long period of time, about 30 years, about a 30-year wait, 66 to 96. Yay, go Packers, right? Well, they're completely done. We'll talk about all that in segment number two, not so much of how teams finish, maybe very briefly. Uh, of course, the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Oh, so they're the second 0-16 team in NFL history. The Wolves are slaughtering the Pacers, or, well, they were. We all know how things can change quickly in a basketball game. It's a game of runs, baby. NFL is a game of runs, too, I guess, in a different form. Um, just a game of seconds, a game of inches. That's what the NFL is. It isn't a game of runs like basketball. It's a game of inches. The smallest, most crazy little bounce could change an entire season in a second. That's what football is all about. Um, we gave up our first special teams touchdown in I don't know how long. It's been a while. Okay, it, was, it wasn't the first of the season because the 
Bears faked a freaking punt. So at least the Bears are out. We don't have to worry about them doing anything crazy. They're five and eleven. The Vikings again thirteen and three. That's the best record since ninety-eight. Best record since ninety-eight. Thirteen and three is the reality. No major injuries sustained. Oh, hallelujah, thank God. And no Teddy Bridgewater today, which was really annoying. Like, the Vikings never built a big enough lead to put Teddy Bridgewater in. But, yes, uh, Phil Mackey and others talked about post-game and all that, 1,500. You know, I, I like that one much better than the K-Fan one. I, I'm not a huge Phil Mackey fan, but I like him better than freaking Sludge, Corey Cove and K-Fan. That guy's a... Mm. Yeah, leave that alone. They're both kind of from the same cloth. They both kind of ignore me, like kind of semi-young, arrogant pricks. I don't know. But uh, Mackey's not as bad, I guess. He's, he's not as bad. Um, <laughs> and then Morris, of course. He, it's funny how both of them are K-Fan. Not rejects, but kind of. But, you know, and they resurfaced in 1500 and are doing uh, doing just fine. Uh, wish I could say the same, but oh well. Uh, enough about that. Chicago Bears have a top 10 defense, so there's a reason why the Vikings struggled against them. There's a reason why the Vikings struggled against them in Soldier Field. Luckily, the Vikings survived it. Case Keenum was incredible in Soldier Field. That was the beginning of what has taken place this year. Uh, Vikings, <clears throat> after that, have been 11-1, and so incredible uh, since, since that Detroit loss where Keenum looked icky. And then, oh, awesome, Bradford's back, he's ready to go, and he's not back, he's not ready to go. No, he's kind of like The Walking Dead and all that. I don't watch that, but just saying, yeah, like a zombie, like he's not going to make it, he can't move. Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, well, (laughs) Sam Bradford's possible, there's a possibility he'll be the backup quarterback going into the postseason. I mean, you just never know how things are going to happen. I'm scared to death, and the second segment will be a lot of fun. This won't be the most detailed, exciting uh, review of a game because it was an icky game to watch. And, you know, okay, luckily the Vikings did survive, did escape, and they were expected to win the game, but you played against a pretty good defense. And Mitchell Trubisky, well, you know what? We better enjoy the Minnesota Vikings while we're the best team in the NFC North because... Mitchell Trubisky looks like he's got some promise. Of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers, there's still this and that, so we better enjoy this season as much as humanly possible, and we also better capitalize and, and strike while the iron is hot to keep this uh, to keep that bit going. Vikings got their first safety in a year. Remember last year, Daniel Hunter got it. This this year, Linval Joseph got it in the final game of the season. Nice. We got our safety. We got a little safety when the Bears are starting to scare us a little bit after that stupid special teams return by freaking Callahan. Come on, Callahan, get out of here. As he's running into freaking, he's running into Adam Thielen, he's running into Stefan Diggs. You know, he's that kind of guy, like in basketball, we'll say, that just keeps running into people. I mean, you know, and that's how guys could hurt their ankle, or God knows what could happen. He's not even watching the ball, he's just running into the guy. And it got on my nerves a little bit, like, okay, can you cut that out? But then, you know, I, I guess, you know, that was what Trey Wayne's problem was earlier in the season and in previous years, as he's developed into one hell of a cornerback. Oh, Trey Waynes, you have really been a very wonderful in-season improvement as of course he was tested time and time again and if Trey Waynes did not improve the Vikings would have a weakness and the Vikings would probably not be 13 and 3. We'd be in the playoffs I'm sure we'd be like 10 and 6, 11 and 5 and woohoo you know maybe we're tied and duking it out with Seattle or, or, or whoever in the first round you know Carolina, the Rams, the Saints, whoever the heck it is in the first round and then God knows what would happen and I don't want to be in that position so I'd rather be in the first round by and see what happens here and of course the Eagles look like the walking dead uh, they were shut out today so 
Oh, I'm so sorry. And of course, the release of this show is probably going to be Monday morning because, you know, probably going to be Monday morning unless I'm able to squeeze this all in tonight because, yeah, I, I have to go somewhere, obviously. I'm not a huge fan of New Year's Eve or anything. I think it's overrated, but unfortunately, my wife likes it. So I, I don't know. It is what it is. So I got to kind of tag along. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Just wonderful. Um, Mike Nugent showed what a 55-yard field goal looks like, something we don't see very often in Minnesota. But oh, well, what's-his-name got a 53-yarder last week? Oh, what's-his-name for Beth? Today he attempted a 54-yarder, and it looked like, or was it 55? And it looked like, uh, yeah, it was 55. It looked like it looked like something he would probably miss if it was an extra point, but maybe because he's putting extra leg on it and he missed it worse because of that, and if it was close, he'd be okay. But, well, an area of concern going into the playoffs, but the guy's capable of being a very good kicker. He's capable of being very consistent. He was on a pretty good hot streak for a long, long time, last year into this year, so, and he kind of had one going until that 55-yarder, so... Okay, well, God forbid, hang in there, Mr. Akai Forbath. He's the kicker, and there's no Adam Vinatieri waiting for us. So he's the kicker, and it is what it is. So let's uh, get ourselves a nice lead. Let's pin their quarterbacks and their receivers and all that, pin them back and keep them turning them, keep the other team turning the ball over on fourth down. It's been awesome. The Vikings had two of those today against Trubisky and the Bears. The defense showed up to play for the most part, got burned a little bit in that third and fourth quarter when the Bears, uh, Trubisky was trying to get things going, trying to get things moving. Uh, Latavius Murray, generally speaking, had an awesome day. 111 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Looks more spectacular than it was, but then again, he got the first downs when you needed him, especially when the Bears were still kind of in the game a little bit, and he's getting those key first downs, and then you could run the clock out and finish things. Jared McKinnon is just a stud, and he's such a key for the Vikings' future into this postseason because you're going to get those screen passes, those slants, those quick little screens and checkdowns to Jared McKinnon that could be game-changing in big playoff games. Uh, the Vikings' chances of getting to the NFC title game are insanely high, I think, regardless of how tough the first opponent is probably going to be as we'll be talking about that in the second segment. We'll have a pretty good idea where things are going once we get to the second segment. That's one of the things here. Got to do the first segment here closer to the end of the game when things are fresh and then wait for things to bleed out. And, of course, hopefully maybe a call or two comes in. And, of course, yes, we do have Brent Jacobson and Dave Hickey from last week. I deeply apologize to you guys. As I know you called on time. But unfortunately, the Collins, they, uh, when they're actually like regular Collins, they go to Dylan Richardson's email first and he doesn't always, you know, he doesn't always get it right away or he doesn't, you know, doesn't get to it right away. And then he's able to forward it to me. And that's kind of the case there where uh, audio submissions are faster because they come right to me. That's the good part. One day I'll probably have full control of everything, but that's, that's just how things are right now. Uh, okay, here it is. Chuck Pagano has finally been fired. Chuck Pagano, 4-12. There it is. Flashing on the screen right in front of me. Chuck Pagano, finally let go by the Colts. And will that be Pat Shermer's new team? Hmm. You know? Hmm. <laughs> that might be... He might be going for an interview there. I wouldn't be surprised. There's possibility that the uh, Chicago Bears will interview Pat Shermer. The Detroit Lions, even there's a rumor about Caldwell on his way out. I don't know. Sebastian doesn't seem to like Pat Shermer a whole lot. Sebastian Varden... <laughs> I think he's okay. There is conservative this and that, and, I, and a lot of the people out there that hate conservatives are tying that into Pat Shermer and stuff. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Go ahead and hate conservatives all you want. Whatever. 
and tie it to Pat Shermer. Oh, he's a conservative, just like this person, because the way he calls his offense, conservative. Ah, good for you. No, and look at me now. I'm going into it more than I need to. Uh, Vikings defense though looks spectacular for the most part. Of course, some nice completions along the way. Don Carl Inman, he was stopped in the end zone. Uh, Trey Wayne should have been called for holding at one point. And yeah, but luckily the Vikings survived that one. Uh, Chicago did wind up with a <laughs> did wind up not getting it though. They did get a first down because uh, Mr. I believe it was Daniil Hunter. Yep, jumped early. Daniil Hunter jumped early. So the Bears did get their first down. So good on them. So there's your holding call in that sense. First down Bears. So ball don't lie or whatever you want to say. Or or that's karma or you sow what you reap. Whatever you want to say there. The Bears got four more or should we say five more shots at it. And they did not get the job done. So luckily, uh, four more shots at it. I'm crazy. And the Bears were four and out. And the Vikings turned them over on downs several times today. And it was awesome. So luckily, the Bears, even though they got those extra chances, they still wound up with nothing. Nanana boobo. And the Bears wind up with a field goal and a special teams touchdown. That's their 10th points right there. 23 points for the Vikings. You know, this is in a lot of ways a Mike Zimmer type of a, a win. And okay, now we're starting to see a little something with the Bears that we weren't seeing before. Especially last year when the Vikings just steamrolled an awful Bears team. And so the Vikings were not so good last year. And then just steamrolled that team in a similar situation in U.S. Bank Stadium to wrap up the season last year. Crazy how we played the Bears so many times in the 16th, uh, 17th, 16th game, but 17th week, you know, because it's a bye week. Duh. Um, but you're seeing signs of the Bears. There's a little teeny bit of 2014 in the Bears right now. Uh, a little bit of defense, you know, it makes the game more boring, but so what? Just like when Zimmer first got here, it's like, oh man, this is boring. But but we're winning though, and the defense looks better. They don't look embarrassing like they did under Leslie Bleep and Frazier. And you're starting to see that with the Bears. They're not getting embarrassed as much. Unfortunately for John Fox, though, his time may be up regardless. Uh, their defensive coordinator, though, has got a future in this league, and uh, maybe he'll, if they can keep him there, boy, they better, they better lock him down, and keep him in Chicago, because he's done a hell of a job with that team. They've had about a bajillion injuries to the linebackers and such, and even defensive line for the Bears, the Bears, especially linebackers, though a lot of them were starters or had had started here and there throughout the season, and uh, that's painful for them. Thielen and Diggs were Thielen and Diggs for the most part. Uh, Diggs had one of his better games of the season. Key, key uh, receptions. He was targeted six times. He caught everything that came his way today. It was a beautiful thing. Some key first downs and a touchdown. That was a, just a sexy play. I, I, I loved it. Case Keenum just back to pass. And then he just it was like a Brett Favre bullet type of play. Right right up the middle into the end zone. Into the back back center of the end zone. I loved it. It was just, it was a, it was an awesome play. And you know what? I'll take that 10 out of 10 times. It's a 15-yarder officially. Digs with a key 26-yarder along the way. And now we'll get to the bleeping penalties. That's what drove me nuts throughout this game. You saw stupid penalties. You saw holding calls after a wonderful uh, David Morgan reception. The guy has uh, emerged, interestingly, late in the season. Kyle Rudolph being hurt with the ankle and he needs to heal this and that. Uh, so David Morgan getting some extra snaps, and of course he was key last week as a long snapper. Um, David Morgan, three catches, 35 yards, and he looks good doing it. He's generally a blocking back, and a blocking tight end, pardon me. Uh, he looked wonderful. Um, I love what I'm seeing from David Morgan. He's like a friend targeting candidate in a way, but more in a fun way. I uh, really appreciate what David Morgan has brought. But there was a key play that would have been a 26-yard gain, 
And then you had holding on Latavius, and Latavius Murray, and it was just like, ugh, come on. And then the Vikings ended up punting. It looked like we were going to probably have a scoring drive, not not a field goal, but a touchdown type of drive. The, the, the moxie, all that stuff was completely on the Vikings' side. And then you have that BS happen. And that was just the beginning of the penalties. As the Bears started out getting one penalty after another, they looked like a dysfunctional, crappy team that didn't want to be here. And then, all of a sudden, the Vikings looked like a team that was relaxing too much and just playing sloppy and kind of stupid a little bit. Penalty after penalty. And then the Bears went from not wanting to be here to being, let's win one for Fox, if he's going to stay, if he's going to go, whatever it is. And let's get to 6-10 and ten at the very least. But, unfortunately, for <laughs> kind of like when the Vikings did for uh, Leslie Frazier at the end, got the, got the Vikes to 6-10, and ten, but it wasn't going to keep Frazier around. Yeah, with that victory over the Bias, believe it or not, back in 2013. Paul Tunivers kind of last day here, unfortunately. Last day in Minnesota as he headed to Seattle that very night. Uh, but, yeah, things changed dramatically after that. One penalty after another, holding, pass interference, just stupid penalties. Uh, you know, and it was really frustrating. Uh, the Bears definitely weren't dominating in the penalty category like the Vikings were after that. And then the frustration really started to set in, quite frankly, for your uh, for your uh, host of Purple Mafia here, who's trying not to get pissed off right now, <laughs> bumping the wrong things here. But the fr- it's the kind of stuff, though, you hope and pray that this doesn't start to bite the Vikings as we head into the playoffs. Uh, Vikings had 12 penalties. Uh, the Bears were crushing the Vikings in the penalty category in terms of they were getting a bajillion penalties and the Vikings weren't getting any. Ultimately, at the end, pardon me for saying ultimately every two words. Sebastian teased me about that in the past. The Vikings end up winning the penalty battle, which is not a good thing. 12 penalties for the Vikings, 10 for the Bears. The Bears had more yards because of the long uh, uh, pass interference calls. And one of the pass interference calls for the Vikings, they were already in the, you know, the Bears were already in the red zone, like at the 8-yard line or something. So it's just half the distance to the goal. So you're lucky there. Um... 116 to 103, though, in the penalties and 12 penalties for the Vikings. Yes, the Bears' defense is good, but don't look stupid out there. That's the key. Uh, the Bears only had one first down for the longest time. Then they started getting them. Ultimately, there it is again. Sorry. One of 12 third down efficiency for the Bears. Pretty crazy how the Bears were unable to get third downs time and time again. But that's one of the reasons why the Vikings are the best defense in the NFL and a legitimate NFC favorite at this stage. And I'm saying that. I'm saying that, you know, cautiously, yet confidently. Cautious and confident at the same time. Is that possible? I'm going to try to make it possible, I guess. Of course, the Bears over 2 on 4th down efficiency. The Vikings phenomenal this year in that category, defensively. Uh, 3rd down efficiency, though, to keep the Bears 1 for 12. And, you know, those 3rd and longs, even 3rd and shorts. The Vikings' defense on 3rd down is Super Bowl level, uh, number one in so many categories, and that's what puts the Vikings very much in the <clears throat> picture of being in the Super Bowl. And, well, what frustrated Tom Brady in the Super Bowl should he be wearing road whites, playing against a purple and gold team in U.S. Bank Stadium, a team that's never beaten Tom Brady? But what did frustrate him? Well, what's his name? Linval Joseph. Oh, what's his name? I know something about it because he was on the 2011 Giants. Wasn't on the 2007 Giants. He ain't that old, but <laughs> not that that's that old, but yeah, I'd be in my prime in 2007. I'd be about, how was the old was I? Uh, 28 back then if I was playing NFL football like Randy Moss was. He was just turning 30 and he had, what, 23 receptions on that 16-0 and team. But um, in both cases, the defensive line, defensive pressure, 
is what's hurt Tom Brady in those Super Bowls. And that's the hope that this Minnesota Vikings team can do. Atlanta's defense was very suspect. Their offense was elite, insane, and it was as best as, a, as good as there was. It was the best in the NFL last year. You had the best receiver on the planet in Julio Jones, a guy who could catch for 350 yards, which is like, like, where does that even come from? But then, but then the Atlanta defense started being the Atlanta defense, and a couple of strange coaching decisions by Quinn, Dan Quinn there of Atlanta. And then the best quarterback of all time started looking like the best quarterback of all time, and things changed dramatically. Uh, the Vikings don't have that kind of defense that's going to get smoked, regardless of how great Tom Brady is. And Tom Brady is 40 years old, and you are seeing some signs of wear and tear and some age. And that's what gives the Vikings hope. Now look at me getting into playoff talk. But, well, it's time to talk about the playoffs, and that's what's really exciting about all this. Uh, again, no significant injuries sustained at this point. Of course, Pat Elfline did not play today. Uh, Joe Berger moved over because Nick Easton has a broken ankle. So, well, it kind of is what it is there. He's out for the year, unfortunately. You saw Hill out there at uh, <laughs> Rashad Hill out there at right tackle. Remmers was actually moving in at guard. You saw a little interesting changes right there. But generally speaking, Remmers was the, obviously the right tackle. Uh, but you saw Hill out there at right tackle. Kind of interesting how things were set up, but it's because Berger had to move into center. So that was the setup. He had moved Remmers into to tack, uh, to guard, pardon me, right guard. And then you had Searles at left guard alongside Riley Reef, who stayed healthy and he's ready to roll. So amen, hallelujah. And now you get uh, Pat Elfline with three weeks off to heal that shoulder. Of course, this week was one of the weeks, and then the next two weeks. So yay. <laughs> And then it's game time. Let's get her going, and we'll be hosting who we're going to be hosting. The Fran Tarkington Award for today. Well, we're, we're going to... Ah, Latavius Murray, why'd you have to get that damn holding penalty? I'm going to give it to Linval Joseph. That guy's just a stud. He deserves about a million... Uh, he deserves about a million Fran Awards. Honorable mention to Latavius Murray because he was freaking awesome. I mean, moving the, moving the chains... Running the clock down, but obviously the defense is what won the game. The offense helped, though, because they put points on the board. Latavius Murray got in the end zone twice, so he can share it with Linval Joseph. But Linval's uh, trophy is a little more platinum-laced uh, or diamond-laced in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of things. Um, Fran targeting award ultimately to Linval, but a secondary one to Latavius. Linval and Latavius. Gotta like those names, eh? <laughs> uh, the Christian Potter Memorial. Gosh, I'm going crazy. I keep thinking Johnny Flynn. I keep thinking James Shepard. All those busts for the Timberwolves in the wild there. And then you get Christian Potter, the ultimate bust for the uh, the Vikings. It used to be the Tavares Jackson Memorial, but it's Potter. Because Potter's even worse than Jackson. At least Jackson had one special skill, or maybe two. He was mobile to a point. But then you had the arm, which Ponder didn't have. Ponder didn't have the arm. He was a little bit mobile. So Tavares had a little more special skills than Ponder, believe it or not. But neither one of them requisite of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Seeing the Bears and the Browns play in the in the snow. That's kind of fun. <laughs> in, yeah, that's fun. That's in Chicago. Chicago. Chicago last week. Yep, some shoveling duties just like in Green Bay last week as well. When teams tried not to get hurt, but Easton did, damn it, and my Packer after Packer got hurt. Okay, I'm babbling. The Christian Prouder Memorial for this show, I don't know. I don't want to give it to anybody, but then again, the penalties in general. One stupid penalty after another, and it was annoying seeing Forbath put up that awful kick, and a little bit scary. So stuff like that, just one penalty after another. It can go to all the freaking penalties. 
stupid penalties, even that encroachment by uh, Daniel Hunter, which put the Bears right back in position to, well, it, it gave them a new set of downs. I mean, it was fourth down, and then you get an encroachment call. That was dumb. But Daniel Hunter was good as well, so it was good throughout the game. So I can't get too angry at him. Uh, Mr. Brian Robinson reeled in another fish. as He got yet another sack to uh, wrap up his regular season with the Vikings. And, yeah, we'll, we'll look at that some more as we head forward. Because, unfortunately, obviously the total stats aren't going to be updated right away. Brian Robinson did get one sack, but, I mean, the total total numbers of the entire game, or season, pardon me, won't be updated until tomorrow. Uh, Linval Joseph, they're not crediting him, crediting him with a sack, but he did get the safety. So, yeah, they don't show that openly, unfortunately. So, well, <laughs> it's the same thing. Uh, Linval Joseph, wonderful, though, throughout the day, stopping the run. As you didn't really hear anything about Jordan Howard throughout the entire game. So... Uh, Howard Jordan, whatever. <laughs> Jordan Howard, pardon me. You didn't see any Jordan Howard pretty much throughout the day. Linval Joseph, a huge part of that. As, uh, well, that's great. The Bears playing that old school football. Nine rushes, and that's about it. Tariq Cohen, three rushes, and he managed to get ten, but still could not get in the end zone with some kind of goofy offensive play calling in the red zone by the Bears, but that's what it is. Okay, show is done, or at least first segment is done. We'll take a quick break and come back, and let's get to that playoff preview. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to do some playoff previewing for the most part, right? Yeah. Now, Indianapolis, as mentioned, fired Chuck Pagano just off, hot off the press not too long ago anyway. The Oakland Raiders have fired Jack Del Rio. 6-10 and ten finish and all that good stuff. Uh, rough finishes for a lot of teams out there. Houston, Indianapolis, and such. Indianapolis actually won their final game. That's funny. Cincinnati just won their final game, knocking Baltimore out of the playoffs. Andy Dalton with a pretty clutch fourth and fourth and long situation and it goes all the way on about 48 yards to pay dirt unbelievable uh, kind of a kind of like a pass to Adam Thielen where it was a catch and then yards after catch the Giants won their last game obviously they already fired McAdoo Dallas Cowboys shut out the Philadelphia Eagles but they remain 13 and 3 6 to nothing Philadelphia hmm in Philadelphia so a lot of people getting confident here in the NFC but I'll never be completely confident. Uh, Cleveland losing 28-24. to They finish 0-16, but Hugh Jackson will remain the head coach. Atlanta beat Carolina. That could be a playoff matchup. Well, well it won't be at the end of the day. It was a possibility, but it won't be. Uh, we'll talk about who's playing who very soon here. At least uh, Saturday. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. Kansas City survived. They beat Denver just barely in Denver. Uh, 27-24, Tennessee over Jacksonville. The Jaguars really plummeting, yet they still managed to hang on to the number three seed because there's a lot of meh, kind of mediocre teams. The Rams lose again, yet they still managed to hang on to the number three seed because the Saints lost. Incredible. 49ers pound the Rams 34-13 to in Los Angeles. Okay, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, geez, bringing a little bit of that Patriots magic. Watch out for the 49ers next year, and that's no joke. Buffalo beats Miami 22-16. Oakland got pounded by the Chargers. The Chargers still missed the playoffs. Just too little too late for them. Seattle could not beat the Arizona Cardinals in in uh, CenturyLink Stadium, CenturyLink Field. That's funny. Uh, 26-24. Wow. 
Cincinnati beat Baltimore again, miracle play. The Baltimore Ravens knocked out, and the Cincinnati Bengals finished seven and nine. And Marvin Lewis's final season there. Wow, uh, pretty funny too, because I remember many years ago, back in '95, the Vikings finished seven and nine, losing to Doug Pelfrey and the Cincinnati Bengals, as Doug Pelfrey nailed a nice 50-yard field goal or so. It was like 52 yards, something like that, and buried the Vikings. New England easily rolls over the Jets 26-6, to and Harrison had two sacks in the game. Two. James Harrison, two sacks in the game. Okay. Um, I guess he can still play a little bit, but um, whatever, right? That's kind of funny. Uh, so let's look at the playoff picture. Uh, lots of bad teams, lots of good teams. Or let's look at the schedule anyway, and then we'll actually talk about the playoff picture. The very first game, Tennessee will be at Kansas City on Channel 5, ESPN Channel 5, so to speak, at 4. 35 p.m. So those Saturday afternoon into evening games, you got a primetime game, Falcons at Rams. Falcons at Rams, where very likely, well, if the Rams win, they'd play the Vikings. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. You know, I'm getting way ahead here. That's at uh, 7.15. Now it's 4.35 Eastern time, so i got to go with Central. 3.35, 3.30-ish, and then 7.15 on NBC. Rams hosting the Falcons, the reeling Rams, I suppose, and the surging Falcons all of a sudden. Uh, and then on Sunday, Buffalo will go to Jacksonville. That's going to be an interesting matchup because Jacksonville's been falling off the map a bit, and Buffalo only finished like a game behind them. And then the Panthers will be at New Orleans at 3.30 on Fox. At 3.30 on Fox. That's a noon game on Sunday between the Bills and Jaguars. That'll be a fun one, I suppose. Jaguars' first playoff game since 07. Buffalo Bills' first playoff game since 1999. Back in the Middle Ages. Okay, maybe not that long ago, but it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, safe to say it's been quite a long time since the Buffalo Bills were there. What was it? Doug was Doug Flutie the quarterback? I think he was. Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie was already kind of old too, but yeah, wasn't he adorable? Oh no. Okay, not really. That was kind of lame what I just said. So let's go to the AFC first. New England is number one with a thirteen and three record. Pittsburgh number two with a thirteen and three record. Sounds familiar in the NFC, doesn't it? Minnesota and Philly, 13-3. and three. Though there is no dead man walking top seed in the uh, top, top, like, bye type of team in the uh, in the AFC. Both Pittsburgh and New England, pretty dangerous. But Pittsburgh screws around a lot, and they barely got past the Browns. I got to think the heavy favorites in the AFC are the defending world champion, New England Patriots, <clears throat> looking for an unprecedented sixth Super Bowl. Well, actually, it's been precedented by the Steelers. Pardon me. Funny how the Steelers would be the team in the way of the Patriots doing that potentially in the AFC title game, which I got to think it's a collision course between those two teams because Jacksonville, Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee. Yeah, no, not really. Not too worried about that. Uh, if Jacksonville wins, of course, they would head to Pittsburgh. The highest seed remaining would go to Pittsburgh. That could be the Chiefs. If, say, Jacksonville gets upset by the Buffalo Bills, the lowest seed would go to New England. So I will roll out my predictions here. Kansas City never wins playoff games, so the Tennessee Titans will pull off the upset and will beat the Jackson or beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which would be kind of surprising a little bit. Tennessee, I have no reason to really think very highly of them because they look like garbage half the time, but there's some talent there. Obviously, Marcus Mariota and DeMarco Murray, very talented individuals. It's a pretty solid defense also in Tennessee. They kind of hang in there and all that. Buffalo's got a got a solid defense. That's kind of what's kept them alive. But um, LaShawn Murray getting hurt, though. McCoy, pardon me, getting hurt today with the ankle injury and having to be carted off. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go. I, I, I don't know. Hopefully it's precautionary for Buffalo's sake. But 
Even though Jacksonville's been reeling, I'm going to go with the Jaguars. I think Tennessee and Jacksonville. The 1999 AFC Championship game, those two teams will advance. Buffalo will not advance in their first playoff appearance for a long time, but Tennessee will. It's their first since 2008, so a lot of firsts, a lot of returns. Kansas City never wins playoff games, just like the Cincinnati Bengals. Never. So I'm not going to pick the Chiefs. Tennessee advances, and they will go to New England. Jacksonville will go to Pittsburgh. That'll be an epic battle, an interesting matchup. I think the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh matchup would be very, very close. Tennessee-New England. New England should roll in that game and return to the AFC Championship game for like the 90th time since uh, Belichick's been there. It's pretty much every single year. It really is. Uh, maybe when <laughs> Tom Brady got hurt back in 08, that's about it. And Baltimore occasionally making some nice upset moves on them, but Baltimore no longer with the uh, the playoffs there. Buffalo might pose a little threat if they survive. If Buffalo survives Jacksonville, they might be a little threat for New England for a little while. I mean, they know them pretty well. They finished second place in that division because everybody's used to finishing second place <laughs> in the AFC East just a little bit. Um, but yeah, the lower seeds of those two. Obviously, we'll go to New England and we'll lose. There'll be sacrificial lambs. Very unlikely the New England Patriots will be denied any trips to the AFC title game. Jacksonville could pose a threat if they come out with their A game. I think they could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of a mess. They've gotten lucky how many times this year? Except in the New England matchup, which is kind of funny how that turned out. But it is what it is, right? New England Patriots and Foxborough, the road to the Super Bowl from the AFC goes through Foxborough. Right now, regardless of who wins what or where, I would not be surprised for one second if the New England Patriots return to the Super Bowl. My God, that's a lot of Super Bowl appearances. This would be their eighth Super Bowl appearance under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, it's unbelievable. They've been there seven times. They lost twice to the Giants and hopefully to a former New York Giant uh, defensive lineman, Linval Joseph, when it comes to U.S. Bank Stadium. But right now, if I was a betting man, I think the New England Patriots will... With the AFC, they would beat Pittsburgh or Jacksonville in the AFC title game, I gotta think, or any other underdog type of team, and that's unfortunate. Uh, the NFC, though, I mean, there's a team that I think is a little bit better than everybody else, and I think it's the Vikings, actually. And go ahead and call me a homer, go ahead and call me this, go ahead and call me that. I try to be very objective, I try to be very, very honest. Um, I try to come at this uh, objectively going into the playoffs, and you know, like years ago, when the Vikings remember, and I pissed off some people that were that are just the classic Homer fans here in Minnesota, which there are many, or locally in the five state region, or who knows where. Every team's got Homer type of fans, and Minnesota Vikings are well, you know, I mean, they're no exception to that rule. Every team's like that. Just look at the Timberwolves fan pages half the time, or even the Minnesota Wild fan pages. And yes, Viking fan pages as well, where they tell you to go to sleep if you say anything negative. You know, really, you know, come on. Um, but back in 08, I picked Philadelphia to beat the Vikings because why should I have picked the Vikings to beat the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2008? That team wasn't ready to beat anybody. Tavares Jackson was the quarterback. I had no faith. Sure, he had the best running back in football, but, well, he didn't catch passes and he didn't block. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you're seeing more and more why a lot of us aren't missing Adrian a whole lot. We're not missing him. Look at our, look, look at our record. Were we ever 13-3 and under Adrian Peterson? No. And it does help to have a good offensive line, and you hope that it'll be healthy. Uh, Easton will not be on the Vikings roster, but you know, nine out of you know, like ninety-nine percent chance Pat Elfline will be. God forbid there's no injuries during the practice the next two weeks, as luckily the Vikings will have time to heal any type of injuries like that. Pat Elfline's shoulder, uh, uh, 
uh, Riley Reeves' ankle. You could go on forever and ever. I mean, any other injuries that we never hear about because stuff happens every game. Uh, Xavier Rose has been banged up off and on during the course of the season. Supposedly ribs right now. He's had other injuries off and on during the season. Uh, it's mostly like, I don't even know. It's like like a lot of ribs, soreness and such with him because it's the way, you know, he lands. He's landing on players and stuff as he tackles them. And I know that happens all throughout the league. But when you're at high speed and there's a, it's a quick instant contact type of situation, there's all kinds of bruises and injuries all over every player over there. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, nothing major at this point other than, unfortunately, Nick Easton. Sam Bradford just maybe might be the number two quarterback going into the postseason. Otherwise, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, I would have liked to have seen him get some more reps in today. Uh, but Chicago's defense was good, and they are a good defense. And the Chicago Bears are showing a little bit of that ugly stay-in-the-game type of style that started there that kind of was how the Vikings started out when the Vikings started to improve under Mike Zimmer you 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 play competitive football you get creamed by the Green Bay Packers that year and remember that when Christian Ponder had to be quarterback that was fun after uh Teddy Bridgewater had a sore had an injured ankle against the Atlanta Falcons in his career debut um it was stuff like that, obviously. You know, it, the team was still not ready to compete at a high level, so they'd get blown out by teams like Green Bay, but they'd hang in there. They'd beat uh, underachieving teams like Atlanta, who were not, who at the time did not have Dan Quinn as coach, and Matty Ice, as they called him, was not really living up to the hype at the time. I mean, that was just not a team headed in the right direction. Their defense was horrendous. It's still questionable, but it's a little better, obviously, and Dan Quinn was obviously the defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks, so... You're going to lose coordinators when you get to the Silver Bowl and all that, just like Atlanta lost their coordinator as well. So, yeah, they lost Shanahan. So, yeah, uh, to coach the uh, 49ers. So it kind of is what it is there. Um, you're going to lose people. So as we continue to look at the playoff picture, the Los Angeles Rams will host the Atlanta Falcons. That's a very interesting matchup because the L.A. Rams continue to drop off. They continue to have not-so-good weeks. They almost beat Philadelphia, and then they didn't beat Philadelphia. Uh, Carson Wentz had that ACL injury against the the uh, L.A. Rams. It was a very competitive game when you consider the Rams, obviously, were the road team. So it's easier said than done to win in Philadelphia. I don't really... I'm not really looking forward to the thought of going into a frigid Philadelphia because, you know, with that crazy fan base and the Viking success rate in Philadelphia historically has not been good. And, you know, history is history. And you want to believe it's in the past, and it can very well be in the past, and there's no reason this Vikings defense shouldn't be able to snuff out Nick Foles. If the Dallas Cowboys horse bleep defense can do it, why can't the Vikings defense do it? The LA Raiders defense was depleted and not the same, and that's why Jack Del Rio is no longer employed by an NFL team right now. And the Raiders will be looking for a new coach. You know, that's another, another, yet another place they might try to get Pat Shermer because, well, I mean, you know, David, Derek Carr, pardon me, not David, Derek Carr needs a coach that can help him. And that's a situation because Derek Carr had a very down season, Uh, obviously coming back from a broken ankle. But, I mean, should a broken ankle derail a guy's career? No, I don't understand really what happened to Derek Carr there. It's sad, but true. Uh, and then, of course, you get Carson Wentz at the ACL, and that's really unfortunate for Philadelphia Eagles fans. You know, I mean, you know, Nick Foles has been a good, solid backup in the past. He has had most of his success in Philadelphia, but Chip Kelly was the coach at the time. He had elite uh, elite numbers. Doug Peterson's a backup quarterback in the past. That's obviously the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and his success rate has been excellent there in the short time he's been the coach of the Eagles. 
Uh, and of course, Carson Wentz was a spectacular draft pick for the Eagles, but he's not going to be there. The defense of the Eagles is very good, but is it at the level of the Minnesota Vikings? I just don't see it. Um, to me, there's no reason the Vikings shouldn't be able to beat the Eagles, even though the history has always been against the Vikings on the road in a cold stadium. You know, it's not done so well, uh, maybe way back in the old days, but it seemed like the Vikings were usually the ones that hosted the cold stadium, and then teams like the Rams would come up here back in the 70s or, or and such when they when the Vikings played in Met Stadium, and the Rams would get, get beat by the Vikings, and the Vikings would go back to their fourth Super Bowl or whatever, and then things would go the way they did there. Uh, Vikings will not be going to Pasadena. They will not be going to Miami. They'll not be going to Honolulu or any of that for the Super Bowl. They'll be going to U.S. Bank Stadium, to Skull Stadium, as you like to call it, maybe as a nickname, because that's where the Skull chant began, and that's what gives the Vikings a lot of hope. And again, remember, the Minnesota Vikings will be donning their purple jerseys and will be in their home locker room in the Super Bowl, should they be so fortunate as to get there. Obviously, there's four teams that I think scare the living crap out of me. And you know what? The Eagles scare me, too. If they if they do survive to get to the, AFC, the NFC title game, pardon me, they'll have to have beaten somebody who's pretty good. Because regardless, even if Atlanta or Carolina is the team to face the Eagles and not the Saints, if the Saints get upset by Carolina and they host the Eagles, or even if Atlanta upsets the Rams, which would be really crazy, um... If the Eagles beat them, they have accomplished something pretty good, and they deserve to be where they are, uh, even if that's the case. If it's the New Orleans Saints and they beat the Saints, okay, all right. Well, I, it'll be nice to see Drew Brees out of the playoff picture in that scary freaking running back tandem, which scares the crap out of me and many others. And, of course, a defense that forces turnovers that no longer has Greg Williams doing some headhunting, trying to kill the, head, kill the head of the beast or whatever. You know, screw that guy. Um so at least we can hope and pray that there isn't that type of defense there, but they do force turnovers. Uh, Sam Bradford made them look like Swiss cheese and melted butter mixed in one. I mean, just went through them like it was nothing. He cut through them like a freaking katana through melted butter. I mean, it was unbelievable. A brand new sharp katana from Japan, straight straight out of Tokyo. Okay, not Tokyo, out of, out of, out of, uh, I don't know. No, I don't even want to say. <laughs> straight out of the mountains of Japan. Where the ninjas uh, dwell in the and the, the Highlanders, yeah, it was about that sharp. He went right through them. So yes, uh, I think the Vikings could beat the Saints again. Should that situation arise, should the Rams get upset, you have to play the Saints and say the Saints beat the Carolina Panthers, which I think does exist and persist. It's going to be a very fascinating matchup, though. Ah, uh, boy, mm, I want to look at it, but well, the Saints crushed Carolina in Carolina this year. Yeesh, crushed them. Crushed them 34 to 13. And when's the last time? And then the Saints swept. Yeah, they swept them 31 to 21 in Nolens as the season progressed. Both teams are getting better. Well, you know what they say, though. What do they always say? What do they always say? History is against the Saints here, ladies and gentlemen. History is against the Saints. Why is that? Tell me why history is against the Saints. Because you can't beat the same team three times? That's right. That's right. How many times does that happen? You remember when the Vikings rolled over the Chicago Bears two times back in 94? You had Warren Moon as the quarterback. Terry Allen was back, ready to roll. You had Corey Stringer, who, well, he was just a rookie. He wasn't that good right away, but he was showing signs as the season progressed. God rest his soul. Chris Hinton, another great lineman. Obviously, Randall McDaniel, Jeff Christie. You could go on forever. Todd Stusey, old Mr. Falstart himself. 
It was one of the best lines in football, even though Corey Stringer was just starting to develop. I remember the beginning of the year, Warren Moon was running for his life, but as the season progressed, it got a little better. But then Moon kept getting more and more erratic, because that's Warren Moon. He just forces plays that aren't there, and that's why Warren Moon never won a bleeping playoff game in his life. <laughs> oh, Warren. Ugh. Silly me, ignorant me back then. I was going into my third season as a Viking fan, and I was like, oh my god, Warren Moon, we're going to the Super Bowl. No. No. Not going to the Super Bowl, no. Um, and <laughs> some guy named, what was his name? Steve Walsh. I mean, again, Steve Walsh. Warsh? Steve Warsh or Steve Walsh? I don't know. Was it Warsh? Well, he washed up the Vikings in the Metrodome that day. And it was some bullcrap, and you never saw him again, pretty much. Quarterbacked a couple games for the Los Angeles Rams. They, they were the LA Rams 1.0 at the time. They were the original LA Rams before they moved to St. Louis and back to LA again. Um, and I think he was on the Redskins or something, and he played, like, spot games here and there. He was kind of like what Keenum was before Keenum was Keenum or whatever. No, okay, no, he was kind of like what Case Keenum was before he came here. Let's look at it that way, at best. Not even, you know, maybe more like, uh, I don't know. I guess kind of because a lot of us had a very low opinion of Case Keenum when he came in here, and then it's like, you know what? He actually was okay with the Rams, and it was a crappy team, and this and that. The L.A. Rams were like crud last year and the year before. Uh, so it, we, we kind of looked at it that way, like, who's Case Keenum? Oh, boy, $1.2 I, I I guess so. He's better than, than what we had last year. So Sean Hill was, again, dead man walking. We'll say that about 40 more times before we're done with the episode. But, um, mm. <laughs> What am I even leaning towards anymore? But Steve Walsh, yeah, the way he just rolled all over the Vikings and you couldn't beat the same team three times, you know. There, there's your history lesson once again, you know. You can't beat the same team three times, and it's happened so many times, time and time again. Uh, luckily, the Vikings didn't have to beat Detroit after sweeping them a couple times some of those years back in the day. Yeah, but um, history is very much against the Saints in that situation. The Saints are so much better, though, I think. I mean, Carolina's, you know, that the one, the reason why Carolina would lose is because Cam Newton is a freaking, you know, I mean, you, you could fill in the blank. The guy, the guy is a shrinking violet, you know? I mean, okay, he can dress really cool, man. He wears a cowboy hat this week. Next week, he'll be dressed like an astronaut, I think. He might, he might come in with an astronaut suit on, oxygen tank and all to come into the press conference, and then tell us how he, he... <laughs> <laughs> and tell us how he's here so he won't get fined. He'll he'll it'll come through some kind of a speaker or something through there because there's no way you could hardly hear him. He's here so he can't get fined. It'll be something along those lines maybe. Um, but that'll be his excuse because yeah, why do you want to talk through a microphone through an astronaut suit? But that's probably his next thing. Or he'll say something like, "By the end of this decade, man will walk on Mars." I I, I don't know. That's about how weird uh, Cam Newton has become. You know. He looks like a world beater for a couple minutes, and then he shrinks again. And the Vikings came right back and beat the crap out of those guys. And, and then we couldn't freaking finish in the red zone. Oh, It was like for a couple minutes there, the Vikings looked like the 2016 Vikings. Couldn't protect Keenum for their lives, and then couldn't freaking finish. And then couldn't stop on third down. It was just for a couple minutes there. And then here came the Vikings again rolling back and almost beat Carolina because Cam Newton is a shrinking violet. That's why the Panthers would lose. Otherwise, history tells me the Panthers should beat the New Orleans Saints. History, goofy-ass NFL history that makes almost no sense tells me the Carolina Panthers will beat the Saints. Otherwise, any 
intelligent betting man is going to pick the New Orleans Saints over the Carolina Panthers. Drew Brees has won a Super Bowl, and you got that dual running game, which is a lot better than, you know, Jonathan Stewart, who is a good running back, by the way, but he's old, you know. Kamara, man, I mean, geez, that, that team scares the crap out of me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the one team I think that could knock the Saints out is Atlanta because just because I mean they beat Atlanta or they've beaten the Saints a bajillion times in the past. Uh, Tampa Bay rolling over the Saints today was kind of interesting because the Saints, you know, you think they want that number three seed, which would literally put them in a position to come to U.S. Bank Stadium. You just beat Atlanta again, I guess, and then come to <laughs> U.S. Bank Stadium. Oh, Drew Brees, yeah, he is just really something. Mark Ingram, of course, the other running back. They didn't have the best game today. Uh, they're playing from behind from a good portion of the game, but they're playing ahead as well. It was kind of a back-and-forth battle between the two. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense looks pretty good against them. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun talking about these. <sighs> Boy, man. Uh, man, you know, it almost reeks of, like, we're going to see Atlanta beat the Rams. But if the Rams win, of course, they will come to U.S. Bank Stadium. That will be an entertaining matchup, but I don't see any of these teams beating the Vikings. I, I don't. I, honest to God, think the Minnesota Vikings will represent the NFC and in, in the Super Bowl in U.S. Bank Stadium, and we will be wearing purple. Even though we were supposed to be the road team, we will not be the road team because we are the home team. Does that make sense? I, I guess it does. Uh, I'm glad it does. Uh, that's cool that the NFL is making an exception. Uh it's almost like, I, I still think the scariest scenario is going on the road, even though the Saints are scary as hell. There's no reason for me to believe the Vikings defense can't get the job done against uh, this nor this scary as hell New Orleans uh, offense. And I, I got to think Keenum, Thielen, and the boys can get the job done against this team. We have a dual running back tandem, too. They're number two in the league uh, since week five when Dalvin Cook went down with the ACL. Number two in the league. So they're very comparable to the New Orleans Saints in that uh, that sense. And the Vikings defense is something to really be reckoned with in this league. Rams defense is good. Obviously, L.A.'s got the young quarterback, but he's just getting started. I don't think he's ready for the big time, Jared Goff. I don't. Uh, Andrew Luck wasn't ready for the big time, and it, it showed. Regardless, you put up good numbers, or there, there's, a, there's a good possibility that this team is going to be great. Obviously, they have the young future coach and everything. But I don't think it's the Rams' year. I, I really don't, and I'd be furious if it was. Atlanta and Carolina, there's no way they're going to win the NFC. I'd be shocked if they did. I'd be furious, actually. And the New Orleans Saints, they're the biggest threat. They truly are the biggest threat. Uh, should the Saints win over Carolina? And, you know, I'm going to say the Saints do win three. Yeah, I, I'd like to see Carolina win because I know the Vikings will beat the Carolina Panthers in U.S. Bank Stadium, that would be a very favorable matchup. But I got to pick the Saints over the. Uh, I got to pick the Saints over the Carolina Panthers. Unfortunately, you know the Rams. They need to show up to play. Uh, I like their coach. Obviously, Sean McVay is awesome. Um, Jared Goff is he ready though against Matty Ice and all them? That Rams defense. I mean, can they beat the Falcons? Yeah, but will they? Uh, it's so hard. It's so hard to predict. Oh, the Rams, you know, they've really dropped off the last couple of weeks. They squeezed past Tennessee last week. They hammered Seattle, which is quite impressive, actually. They barely beat the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to pick the Rams to beat the... I'll, I'll pick the Rams. So the Rams will come to U.S. Bank Stadium, and the Saints will go to Philadelphia. Minnesota-New Orleans, NFC Championship game rematch, and Minnesota will squeak out a fairly close one there, I I, I think. I, I think home field advantage will be the difference in a lot of ways. I think, obviously, the Vikings' defense will be a huge difference 
in a lot of ways. And then you get to the Super Bowl, and that's a pick'em. That's a pick'em because the one hope to beat the, the uh, Tom Brady would be obviously the incredible defense of the Minnesota Vikings, the historically good defense of the Minnesota Vikings. I think that's the only way you can beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And hopefully, and pray to God, get Tom Brady to show his age in that game. The Vikings have never beaten. Well, you know, see, that's where things come together right here. This is it. The scenario is building. It's coming together. The steepest hill. <laughs> How many times have I talked about this? The steepest hill is the only way to end a drought. The only way to end a drought. Drought, curse, whatever you want to call it. The only way is is the steepest. The steepest. <laughs> It's the only way to do it. Like, oh, the Chicago Cubs were able to survive Madison Bumgarner and were able to come back against the Cleveland Indians like that on the road. They blew the lead, and they still survived in the 10th inning and beat the uh, Cleveland Indians on the road. Cleveland Cavaliers came back against the 73-win Warriors team and beat them in Game 7 on the road. That's insane. That's impossible. Nobody does that, right? But Cleveland did it to end their drought. Boston Red Sox down three games to zero against the Yankees. Three games to zero against the Yankees, the very team that created the curse of the Bambino, the very team the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth to. Like, what? how many years ago is it? I mean, it was 86 years since the Boston Red Sox had won a World Series. So it was an 86-year drought that came to an end because the Boston Red Sox came back and won the next four games and then swept the Cardinals. The Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> this, this is how it comes together. This is how you end droughts. You survive a team like the Saints, the ghosts from the past. You survive the Saints. You beat them this time in the NFC title game. You survive threats from L.A. or even Atlanta if it comes to it. But you survive the Saints. You survive the Saints. You survive the Saints or even the Eagles on the road. And then you face the guy you've never beaten, ever. The guy is undefeated against the Minnesota Vikings. He's cut through us like warm butter. Like a, yeah, okay, you get the idea. There can be only one, the Highlander, all that good stuff. Just fill in, fill in the storyline with that one. That's the only way to end a drought is the Vikings defeat the New England Patriots. The only way to end a drought is the toughest, 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 toughest path there is. But then enjoy the happiest ending in the history of a sports franchise. <laughs> the happiest possible ending any team could have to end a drought is to do it in the most unlikely scenario at home, like just like a miracle, like the stars aligning, you know, on Christmas Day 2,000 plus years ago, stuff like that, the stars aligning, all that, you know, <laughs> that's what it's like, you know, it's one of those crazy things that only somebody could write, you know, you, you couldn't write a story this, this uh, amazing if it truly does happen. The two, the running back, the best running back ever in franchise history leaves, this and that, you draft a guy, he gets hurt. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has the most horrific injury ever. He miraculously does come back. And then you have Sam Bradford, who looks unbelievable against the Saints of all teams. And then right away, the bruise, blah, blah, blah. And then you have this guy named Case Keenum, who's got a very limited <laughs> sample size in the NFL. And it hasn't been that exciting. But then you do remember the college record, this and that. But it, but who's, who's heard of Houston, really, in college? Not too many people. And then... And then things start happening in the positive direction when he comes back. After Sam Bradford has the uh, the knee injury reoccur, basically. Not reoccur, but really never really did heal as much as he thought. And it looked like the season is over. I mean, Case Keenum looked like crap against Detroit. 
Dalvin Cook got injured. You're down two games. I mean, you're down to two and two. You're only a 500 team. You know, you have basically nothing to look forward to. The defense has been good, but they didn't look good against Detroit. It was like same old story. The offensive line is mediocre at best. Riley Reef's not that great. Mike Remmers is hurt every game, and he's getting penalties every five seconds. And then things start to change, you know, and the most unlikely scenarios start to build slowly but surely. The wheels start to turn. Destiny, folks. Destiny. There was always this little thing in the back of your mind that what if the Vikings somehow, someway actually made it to Super Bowl 42, 52, pardon me, and then there's Tom Brady, though. The most unlikely scenario was actually beating the Patriots. Yeah, not only getting to host the game, but beating the Patriots in that game. Well, it's starting to come together. Who knows what will happen in the coming weeks, the coming months here, the coming several weeks here, the next couple of weeks. Who knows what will happen? This team needs to show up to play right away. There is no easy games in this postseason. Atlanta's dangerous. They won the NFC last year. They have Julio Jones. They have Matty Ice. Cam Newton won the MVP a couple years ago, and those sons of guns beat us on the road. But still, they beat us. (sighs) Right when everybody got all cocky, thinking we're going to roll all over Carolina, didn't happen. Crazy to think the Vikings would be 14-2 right now if if we actually beat the Carolina Panthers. Crazy to imagine. The Rams looked all spectacular. They were rolling through the league. Great defense, uh, up-and-coming offense. Of course, Todd Gurley's as deadly as it gets. And the Vikings smother those sons of biscuits like they weren't even there. It was unbelievable, like they were the old Rams, like it was a mediocre Case Keenum, uh, uh, frustrated Todd Gurley in a sophomore slump, a team that didn't look like they barely belonged in, the, in, in any type of playoff contention for the last 10 years. Now look at them. Dang, dangerous, but then the Vikings snuff them out. And the Saints, the Saints, the team the Vikings whooped on in week one. And ever since then, they've looked like a, a completely different team. They look a, similar to 9 <sighs> Not quite as prolific as 9 but they're dangerous. And watch out. So that's the thing. Overcome these tough teams. Every one of them is dangerous. But this Vikings defense can defeat them. Absolutely. And that's what that's the story starting to take place. What will unfold in the next couple of weeks. It is going to be fascinating. It is going to be absolutely fascinating, and it's time to sit back and enjoy the ride. Now it's time to hear from you guys out there in Fan Interaction. I hope you enjoyed segment number two as much as I did. Boy, oh boy. God help me. Please let this happen. This message is for Joey Watson and the podcast for the Super Bowl 52 champions for the Vikings. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not, I should have put the cart before the horse, but sure, anyways, you can dream, right? Anyways, it was kind of a game against the pack, but shoot. A win is a win is a win, baby. And we shut out the cheesers in their home stadium. Eat that, Gerb Schmitz. Anyways, so, Bears next week. You know, let's get through that game with a win. Finish the first one on by, not get anybody hurt, and then let the cards fall where they may regarding whether we get the first seed or second seed. 
So let's get that home field advantage. Then make sure nobody gets hurt. Loving the defense. Offense looked a little bit sluggish today, but I think that was the cold weather. Anyways, Merry Christmas to all the the Vikes, all those the Purple Mafia, Soul Vikes, and let's beat those damn bears next week. So later, bye. This message goes out to Joey Owijan and the Purple Mafia. I thought this victory was worth a call in. The Vikings are making their case that they are the NFC North champions in the cold tundra of Lambeau. And that Case Keenum has made his case that he is the MVP of the league this year. It's my Christmas wish that the Vikings keep this train rolling right on to a championship in their home stadium. And I'd like to wish you, Joey, a Merry Christmas and all the Purple Mafia faithful also. This is Dave Hickey, Skull Vikings. And I thank both of you very, very much for calling in, Brent and Dave. Thank you so much. Uh, those calls were supposed to go on last week's show, but of course, the, uh, I, I wasn't able to get the forward quick enough from Dylan. It's just one of those things. He didn't know that there were messages there right away. So then when he got him, he forwarded them to me, and it was I had already just finished the show. So my deep apologies to both Dave and Brent, but glad you guys both got on here. Now, as those calls still, you know what? Their value still holds. I mean, we had beaten the Packers, and it meant a whole lot, and... We shut out the Green Bay Packers. We ultimately beat the Bears. Uh, Merry Christmas also back to you, Dave. And thank you very much. Uh, you've been an awesome uh, awesome member of the Pro Bowl Mafia for for about four or five years now. Brent Jacobson goes back to about 20, 2009, I believe, all the way back. I think it started with Tim Rule's Explosion. I don't know if he still listens to that show or not, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it started back in 09, back when Johnny Flynn was drafted, all that. it was uh, We were leading into the draft. Or was it 2010... Yeah, and I had no. I was just like, uh, we it was no way to know what was going on with that draft, and we all, yeah, went through some dramatic, crazy, stupid times with David Kahn as the general manager of the Timberwolves. Maybe we don't want to think about that too much. Kind of a unfriendly, unfun uh, past for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's hopefully turning in the right direction. Do check out the Timberwolves Explosion podcast, by the way. Not making it about me though. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just messing. But. Um, no, great calls, guys. I, I really appreciate having you on the show, and you're more than welcome to call anytime, as always. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877 is the voicemail. Remember to treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for the Pro Mafia show, as these guys both did. Thank you very much. There's the call now button on the Facebook page, which also takes you to the same direction and all that. Uh, and you know what? It's my Christmas wish that the Vikings do get to the Silver Bowl. They host it and win the championship this year as well. Uh, it's just a dream scenario. And Brent Jacobson, I, I like how he called out uh, Carl Gerbschmidt there. Basically, like, eat that Gerbschmidt. Of course, Carl Gerbschmidt is a, what I believe, a fictional character on the Dan Barrero show. I think it's pretty obvious he's a fictional character. Yet there are fans of, there are fans out there that are pretty much as silly as Carl Gerbschmidt. Packer fans, Bear fans everywhere. And then 1500, they do Randy from Cottage Grove. That's like a Vikings version of Carl Gerbschmidt, you could say, on 1500. It's kind of funny. Uh, he likes to use the word okay quite a bit. Uh, okay? So, okay. 
<laughs> but no, uh, awesome calls. Dave Hickey out of Iowa, Brent Jacobson out of the Lakeville area here in the Twin Cities, or outskirts of the Twin Cities, you could say. It's kind of far from here, but not that far. Far, but not too far. Point made. Awesome calls. Thanks again, guys. Now we will move over to Facebook and Twitter. So let's get to Twitter right now. At Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. First of all, I want to thank Vince Germano and Tanae Wilson-Brown. Tanae Brown. Vince Germano from Australia. Tanae Brown from New Zealand for retweeting the most recent show. Slipping, sliding shutout. And that's exactly what it was. A few more people that retweeted it. James Beck from the UK and UK Minnesota Vikings also retweeted it. So thank you guys there from the United Kingdom. Uh, now we're going to jump forward. And Tanae Brown... As something pretty cool here. He says, here's a pretty promising stat. Imagine the feeling if we could get the job done. NFL Research, which has that blue check mark next to it, at NFL Research says, the Vikings have a strong case to become the first team to play in the Super Bowl in its home stadium. Number one scoring defense, number 10 scoring offense. So, yeah, as in the least points allowed, least yardage allowed. I mean, there is one statistic after another. Of course, the by far the number one uh, third down defense in the NFL, which I've talked about at nauseum because... Well, I mean, if you can stop people on third down at the rate this team can, I, I mean, you could beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. You can. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's the toughest, most dangerous route to get it done. But, well, <laughs> a lot of times it's the toughest one to get. So that's just how it is. I mean, you know, the Vikings have to survive the toughest path to win the Super Bowl, most likely. So it is what it is. Let's Let's win it. Let's get it done. Let's end it now. Mad Martin, and yeah, strike while the iron is hot, as you'll hear from Sebastian in the Facebook page, and that's exactly the case. We have to strike while the iron is hot, because next year never comes. We all know that. We all know that. Remember what 2010 was? We all knew what was coming in 2010. We all knew what 1999 was. That, that team was significantly better than the 2010 Vikings, but they didn't get to the NFC title game or the Super Bowl or anything like that, did they? No. So, Mad Martin, Northern Scotland future Hall of Famer of the Purple Mafia show. In fact, pretty much, yeah, I mean, so many of you guys are. But Mad Martin, absolutely, <laughs> very much. Uh, he's just about got that plaque uh, going into the, uh, <laughs> getting getting ready, you know. So let's continue um, going into the engraving uh, uh, portion of that uh, process. Just about there. So Mad Martin says, time to get that second seed as always. Thanks for the gold star. Hope you had a great Christmas, my friend. And I did, and I hope you did as well. He says, time for some football. Not sure my lady agrees. There was a look on her face like, kind of like a, what are you doing? That's kind of the look on her face there. And uh, Mad Martin and I agreeing on a conversation. What was I saying? Let's roll. Get to 13-3. and three. Yep. And we were talking about back and forth how the, the defense is playing lights out and the offense was kind of, mm, you know, the offense was kind of frustrating us a little bit. And we were talking about how it's a little too relaxed and Mad Martin was feeling the same hoping we would have a decent lead by half. Yep, because we really wanted to see Teddy Bridgewater and, of course, just other backups because we don't want to see significant injuries to anybody. We don't want to see significant injuries to the backups or the starters, but just saying, got to get those starters out of there, and we really kind of never did. Um, we're frustrated about the punt after punt after punt, but, again, we have to put in perspective the Chicago Bears, you know how the Vikings have the number one defense. The Bears have the number 10 defense. They're in the top third in the NFL, so... As they head into the draft, and they're looking for a new head coach now, as we'll continue to talk about a little bit on the Facebook page. 
they're going to probably look at offensive line and continue to bolster that defense because why not? When the Vikings continued to bolster a improving defense in 2014 as you continued to move forward, picking more and more defensive backs and such and linebackers, look what happened. I mean, you got Kendricks. Of course, you started with Barr, but then you got Kendricks, and then you bring in Trey Waynes to help out. It took him a while, but boom, look at him now. Of course, you took Xavier in the first draft with Mike Zimmer. That was a hell of a draft when you look back at it. It's just giving up all those pieces for Cordero Patterson. But then again, no, that was the year before. Pardon me. So we don't have to worry about that. That's that's on uh, Mr. Spielman, not on uh, Mr. Zimmer. So things changed so dramatically since then. I, mean, I get those years mixed up. It was actually just the year before. So what was the word I was using? Uh... I was saying putrid, yep, and <laughs> he said that's one word I can think of many more. Yep, I was saying that about the offense. Punt, 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 says Mad Martin, that's better, 23-7. to 7. That was that really nice pass, that basically like a dagger at the end of the day. It was the dagger from uh, Keenum to Mr. Stefan Diggs. You're like, okay, here comes Teddy, and nope, Teddy never came. Yep, Mad Martin was expecting time to, see the, the, uh, time to start resting the starters, and again, that never came. Yeah. And it did not happen. Yep. <laughs> uh, Purple Brit retweeted uh, something how, I believe this, yeah, this was from Ali Siddiqui. I retweeted Ali Siddiqui's post or tweet, and then the Purple Brit retweeted it saying, gotta like how even though Pat Elfline isn't playing, he's still very engaged on the sidelines. Hashtag Vikings. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Mad Martin says, how can I put it? The Eagles are bleeped. Yeah, I think so. They're kind of looking like the Raiders. Of a couple of last year, and who was the other one? Was it the Houston Texans with the injury to their quarterback? Something like that. When they had this great record, I can't remember who the other team was. Arizona, Arizona. Yep. When they had this great record, they're ready to roll, and then Carson Palmer had, had an ACL, and then they go into the playoffs, and it was just dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> you know, that was kind of all she wrote. Uh, yeah, I don't want to put in another soundbite there. Too far into the show for that at this point. So I made my own. Uh, Mad Martin says, hell yes, get the starters out. And again, it never happened. Mad Martin says, D's done a fantastic job this season. They deserve a ring. I couldn't agree more. We're nearing the end. Uh, Mad Martin says, so that, yep, another three and out. Yep, he couldn't believe it. Another victory thanks to an outstanding D. Happy New Year, my friend. And also to the Purple Faithful Skull to a purple Super Bowl, and that's for damn sure. And yes, purple jerseys will be worn in the Super Bowl if the Vikings get there. The Baltimore Ravens will not be there, so there's only one possible jersey that will be donned purple, and it will be a purple jersey, not a white and purple jersey in the Super Bowl should the Vikings get there and survive. The very, very, very difficult... Uh, <laughs> a very difficult uh, road to get there because it's not going to be easy. It, it never is, man. You know, I mean, every anytime you think it's easy... You think we're going to do it? There's always a, a, a tough team to, to beat first. The Vikings had to beat a 14 and 2 Falcons team. You had to beat a 13 and 3 Saints team. Well, this year we're the 13 and 3 team. So it feels a lot better to be the 13 and 3 team. The Saints are the 11 and 5 team. So look at it that way. Look at it that way. <laughs> we're, we have the advantage. We're a little bit more dangerous this time around. Uh, Crum uh, is not retweeting anything I said, but I figure it's worth coming to the show. It's uh, he's, he's tweeting from KFAN what Mike Zimmer said. Uh, the fans have been fantastic. They've been loud when the defense has been out. That's one of the reasons we have been 7-1 at home. I hope they are fired up and ready to roll for the playoffs. Yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> Wrap up the section. Mad Martin says 13-3. and When it reads 16-3, and I will be happy. 
now the season really starts. In the past 13 years, we have seen one playoff win. Time to change that. And that is a very amazing statistic when you sit down and think about that. One playoff win. And it was against a Dallas Cowboys team that was decent. Not that good. Other than that, I mean, well, we beat the Packers way back in 2004. Yeah, we snuck past the Packers. We, we basically backed past them. An 8-8 eight and eight team on the road against a 9-7 and seven division champion. Meh. You know, that was a really lame NFC North that year. Uh, but we made the playoffs. Yeah, we made the playoffs and we advanced. But, yeah, then we were dead. And we headed into Philadelphia the next week. That team went on to the Super Bowl. Very good football team, obviously. Um, <clears throat> Got to get the job done this time around. And we can't keep saying that until we're blue in the face. But then again, yes, we can. We have to keep saying that until we're blue in the face. I want this to get done this time. We've waited so long. I mean, me, it's been 26 years, 20, 26 years since the Twins won the championship, started watching the Vikings. So this would be, yes, the 26th season of watching the Minnesota Vikings and the 10th season covering it here on Purple Mafia. 11th overall, if you want to count the Paladino Live year on YouTube, which I do count because I did cover every game that year. I think I skipped one or two, pardon me, but eh, I don't know. That was back in the beginning. In the beginning, let there be video, and there was video, but then... <laughs> in the second year, I we said, let there be audio. And audio there was indeed. And the audacity started to load. And the sound started to work. But the microphone wasn't that good. And Joey's talents were, nah, you know, he's a little shaky, a little behind, you know, good behind the mic, but kind of, I don't know. Not the best producer, not the best content and all that yet. But eventually, things were good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's continue. So, Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Or just look up Purple Mafia Show on the Viking Football page. Vikings Purple Mafia page. Of course, a quick shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. I'm recording this on New Year's Day, by the way, now. The third segment. The first two segments were last night. As things were a little more fresh and things were coming through. Particularly that second segment. I adored it. That was a lot of fun. Fan and directional. I wanted things to bleed out a little bit before I recorded this one, and plus, just uh, had had other things I had to do, like it or not, you know. So it is what it is. Uh, Kurt back says Big D saves the day, and Kurt is a star candidate for this show without a doubt. I think he was awesome the whole time. I was talking about how the fourth down stop yet again. Thank God. And yes, that's how you get to the Super Bowl. I think. I have a feeling. I, I hope that maybe the Super Bowl will end that way, where the Vikings will stop whoever New England, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville on a fourth down, fourth turnovers, and then you just kneel, and the crowd goes a bleep, and down comes the purple, gold, and white confetti from the sky, which is like a dream, just a dream. Uh, Gerald Swing from Nebraska says that was sweet. Sebastian Barton says cut Shermer, pussy-ass play calling. Woo, yep, Sebastian has not been a fan of uh, Pat Shermer. Dave Hickey says what a defensive stand. It looks like no tatty. Yeah, I was frustrated with that. Gerald String says Latavius is the workhorse. Gerald String from Nebraska. Dave Hickey from Iowa, who you did hear on, yeah, he was the second call-in, and he was just awesome. Good job. Sebastian Barton is from Mankato at this point. He's been all over the state of Minnesota. He's even went to uh, Seattle for a year or so. That must have not been very fun. Kurt Bag is from White Bear Lake. Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado. Wait, first, uh, Gerald String says Latavius and Diggs for Tarkington Award. Who did I give it to today? I think I give it to Linval Joseph and Latavius. So, yeah. All right. But at least, yeah, see, Diggs was awesome, too. Honorable mention. Uh, Josh Mayer Henry says, good win. One week off, then back to work for the Super Bowl run. And that's, 
you know, that's as simple and as straightforward as it gets. I mean, that's exactly what's going on. You know, I couldn't have said it better. And, you know, again, it's the whole simple, straightforward, and that's what it's all about. Kurt says, where is the postgame thread? And I was saying I put, just put it up, my bad. Yep. And Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota. To see you in two weeks, everyone. Absolutely. Brett McCarthy active every week. Love what he has to say. Backing up, I was saying, oh, Teddy time, por favor. Josh Mayer Henry was saying, awesome finish to shut down that drive. Kurt backs his por favor and start pouring the champagne. Yippee! <laughs> oh, Kurt, you're so naughty when he gets mad here. He said, WTF is with all the freaking holding the game. Gee, idiot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he was getting frustrated. Brad McCarthy says, it's been a great season. Do you do what you need to win? Nothing fancy. Get the bye and rest up. Next game. It's for real. Yep, the next game is for real. You cannot lose that game. <laughs> Absolutely. Single elimination. Kurt was saying, sounds good, Brett McCarthy. See you next year, everyone. Dave Hickey says, what's it going to take for them to pull Case and Rose? And yeah, you were waiting for that to happen. Josh Mary Henry says, getting real sloppy late in this game. So frustrating. And it really was frustrating. So now we'll continue. Oh, I did mention a couple of tweets I should have got to first, but that's okay. Oh, I, I went ahead. Shame on me. Uh, uh, where are they? Oh, why did this post twice? That's stupid, but not too surprising. Um, yep, Gerald String comments on the most recent show. He says, loved the show a bunch. Listened when I was out in the garage getting turkey ready in the deep fryer for Christmas. I have never had deep fried turkey, and I really wonder how it is. Uh, I'm guessing I've heard a lot of good things about it, Gerald, so I take it it was, it was really good, right? Give me, a, give me a little review on it if you could sometime whenever you have time. Or you know how you write these uh, replies to the show sometimes. Uh, let, me, let me know how it was. Or even a, uh, uh, instant, me or, uh, instant message, private message, whatever you call that. He says, I love the shows where you go back and review team history. No doubt about it. In this show, I went into it again in that second segment because, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's a rich history. Uh, rich and good and rich in frustration as well. Uh, lots of good times, lots of frustrating times, getting too close, but so close, but yet so far, that's been uh, the way it is, man, uh, throughout the years. And obviously, Gerald knows more than me. He's been around longer. He's been a, he's been around longer uh, with the Vikings. Obviously, he's a few years older than me. I'm, I'm 38. I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't need to pry into people's age. If they want to say it, that's up to them. But he does remember the Super Bowls. I'll put it that way. Kurt remembers the Super Bowls. Uh, uh, I believe uh, Dave Martin also remembers the Super Bowls. I wish I got to see them, but then again, you know, see, when I did see what I saw on YouTube, it was like the same kind of stuff, you know, that we <laughs> saw, obviously different players, but the same kind of like, you've got to be kidding, you couldn't get that stop on third and long, you know? So, yeah, there was a lot of that in Miami, the Miami Super Bowl. Let's continue. He says, I love the shows where you go back and review team history. No other show does that. Just don't think... They have the passion and knowledge you have. I, I appreciate that, Gerald. I think I told you a few times, but I am 51. Okay, so there's the age. There's There it is. I'm 51, so that, yep. <laughs> and remember watching two Super Bowls pretty vividly. The Steelers, 75, and Raiders, 77. Was born in 66, and it's been a long, dry run. Lots of great teams and not lots of championships still waiting patiently. Skull. Yeah, it's crazy to imagine... To even to be able to remember all four Super Bowls, you got to be pushing 60. Isn't that crazy to think about? 
especially if you all the way, you know, you go all the way back to 1961 when you start. I mean, yeah, you got to be pushing 60. You'd have to be born in the 50s at least, and early 60s to remember all Super Bowls, like maybe 1960, 61-ish. Man, I mean, you'd have to be, yeah, and you'd be really young in the first one. I was pretty young in the first Twins World Series. I was eight, but I do remember it, obviously. And then the second World Series, I was 13. A little more, yeah, I mean, that, that one really, man, that one hit home. I loved it so much. Ah, oh, man, <laughs> that was so awesome. Mmm, wonderful times, 91. Was I 12 or 13? But I remember it, I, I remember it better than 87, but I do remember 87 very well. I remember Dan Gladden's Grand Slam and Ken Herbeck's Grand Slam and Kirby Puckett running around those bases like insanity. See, now I'm going to Twins history too because it's Minnesota sports and, you know, we, we, we won the championship. We won the world championship. So, I mean, you're going to remember it forever. It's a big deal, man. I mean, there's a lot of young people out there that are 30, 30 and, and younger that don't remember any of that stuff. So, again, put that into perspective. I mean, if you're born in 87, there's no way in hell you're going to remember 87. And there's no, there's very unlikely you're going to remember 91. I mean, you're just a little kid, like kindergarten. So, yeah, it's a small possibility. Just very little little flickers here and there of memory, and that's about it. But Kirby Puckett ran around those bases. He scored four runs in that game. And I'm telling you, whenever I would run my ass off, every time somebody would, you know, make contact in kickball, or softball or baseball, I ran like hell on those bath paths. And for the longest time, I didn't even realize where I got that from. It just, I was like, it's, it's just me being competitive. But no, it was Kirby Puckett because I watched Kirby Puckett doing it. And it's like, I was imitating Kirby Puckett, didn't even realize it. It just rubbed off on me. And when a team wins a championship, it has that effect on you, especially when you're a kid. It, it puts that competitive fire in you because you want to be a champion too. And that's exactly what happened. That's what happened. I mean, that's how important winning a championship is. It, it puts something inside of you that is magic. And it makes you want to be a champion. And maybe one day you will be. If you're fortunate enough to get to the pros or whatever. <laughs> it would be pretty awesome. Uh, I was posting how Harrison Smith was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And Gerald String says, what a class act, a professional role model. Not a bad football player either, eh? No, no, he didn't put the A part. I added that in. I like to add a little Canadian uh, spice to the show sometimes. I don't know why, especially on Brave the Wild. That's kind of more obvious as to why there. Yeah, hockey's a little more Canadian than football. But, but then again, there's a lot of Canadian football, too. Go Winnipeg Blue Bombers, by the way. Uh, Mark Carlson out of Iowa there. His wife's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Minipe that's right, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Just above North uh, Dakota and Minnesota, right there in the border area. Winnipeg and that big giant lake as you go a little bit further north of Winnipeg. Boom, man. Huge, huge lake. Massive lake. Uh, Brent Jacobson says, I'm not sure what to make of this, but they better not start him over Keenum. Now, that was all about uh, Sam Bradford returning to practice. I didn't even say what I was talking about there. And, yeah, uh, he'll, he'll be the backup. I mean, Keenum, he's just so smart with the football now. He, a, a lot of the fears we had with Keenum early on in the season, like against Pittsburgh, against Detroit, stuff like that, I don't know. I mean, he's done a hell of a job since then. And then he just blew up against the Redskins. Had a couple of silly turnovers in that game, and then you didn't really see turnovers anymore. Vikings versus Bears in-game thread already got to that. Vikings versus Bears post-game thread. And then we get into the Black Monday. So, which today is Black Monday. Four coaches have been fired already. We'll get back to that in a minute, the roll call there. Brett McCarthy says, did what we needed to win. Rest up. Let's ride the ride. Let's ride the ride. <laughs> yep. 
Brad McCarthy out of South Dakota. Kurt Back says, I think I actually had a tear in my eyes, fellas, and I know all of us will be having tears in our eyes if the best thing does happen. Patrick Grant says, first round by feels great. Yep. Kurt Back comes back and says, comes back. We got momentum now. This really feels good. Eagles all of a sudden looking very beatable. Jeff Froyland out of Iowa says, a long podcast, please. Let's enjoy this accomplishment. And it is a long podcast, absolutely. I took that to heart, and I, that's one of the reasons the second segment is a little bit longer. And, of course, you know, this segment is what it is. It depends on what's there and what people say kind of gets me going, this and that. Kurt comes back one more time and says, does it really matter to us if the Panthers win or lose? Well, it did. It did to a point that we talked about it back and forth because of the seeding and who we might end up facing. Odds are the Vikings will be playing the Rams, but who knows? I mean, if the Rams choke to the Falcons, then it's going to be Carolina or the Saints, whoever wins that game. Tucker Hallstrom says, now just get rested and ready to go. And just imagine how strong that NFC South really is. I mean, Tampa was a dangerous team, a lot of us thought, but then three teams made it, the Atlanta Falcons, the NFC champions of last year, Carolina, the NFC champions of two years ago, and the New Orleans Saints, the Super Bowl champions of 2009. So... Crazy. Those are some good teams. Obviously, Saints hadn't been in the playoffs for a little while. They made it the next year. They made it for a little while. I remember they lost to Seattle. Yeah, Seattle was 8-8. Eight and eight. That was the first year the Seahawks made the playoffs in a while since their Super Bowl run in 05 with uh, Matt Hasselbeck at quarterback. A little more likable team than this bunch of jerks, but oh well. At least the bunch of jerks didn't make the playoffs. Eric Paul, Eric uh, Paulding says, oh my God, Cedric Paulding says, Eagles losing, why aren't we the number one seed? And that's because they beat Carolina, we did not. Yep, thanks, Tony Coleman. And, and Cedric saying thank you for that. Tony Coleman from South Dakota says, 13-3, and three, what a great record to end the season on. I'm very much looking forward to the next three games. It's going to be hard to wait two whole weeks to see the quest continue. And yeah, it's going to be very hard. And of course, if the Vikings do reach the Super Bowl, you got to wait two weeks again because that's just how it is. But at least teams can rest up, get ready, and then you get a better uh, quality product in that game. So let's keep going. Gerald String. Cedric Paulding is out of Mississippi, by the way, if I didn't mention. Gerald String says, first round buys are rare around here. Second one since the infamous 98 season. Yep, if we can get Elfline back, I like our chances to complete a, to compete at a high level. Brian Westhoff replies to Gerald String, says, I wore the farb for you today. Gerald, LOL. Interesting. <laughs> I believe he's a Seahawks fan? No, or Eagles fan. Uh-oh, I think he's an Eagles fan. Gerald String says, sweet. Gerald again continues, says, well, Walsh does it again, LOL. Cool to see the Bills back in the playoffs. And yep, Walsh missing the field goal for the Seattle Seahawks. Just like he helped the Seahawks years ago, he hurt the Seahawks this year. Oh, darn it, I feel so bad. Tony Coleman says, my three-year-old son Caleb makes his Super Bowl prediction on his own with no prompting from me. Nice. Uh-oh, I'm kind of curious now. What teams? Here, we see what happens. Steel Wolves? Vikings. Steelers, right. huh? Vikings and Steelers. Well, I hope you heard that. I just played that on the fly there. You may have heard it. Yep, so that's cool, Caleb. Thank you. Uh, Vikings and Steelers, and the Vikings will win. I'll play it again one more time just in case. I'm guessing you heard it, though. What teams? Vikings and Steelers. Wolves. And who's going to win? <laughs> Vikings. All right. Steel Wolves. No, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Star candidate, Tony. Star candidate. That's cool. I love it. Dave Vicky wrapping up the section with 
I'm sure I probably missed the cut off for this uh, to air. You did not miss it. You got lucky because of this. Uh, uh, nope, you you made it. You, you made it. <laughs> You'll be you're 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 definitely a star candidate for this show, Dave. So that's that's the good news. You're gonna you're, you will get a star. I'm guaranteeing you a star for the show, Dave. He says I'm sure I probably missed the cutoff for this to air on your show, like last week's call. And that being said, it looks like as though we would play the winner of Saints Panthers, which are the two teams I least want to play. But if you're going to be the first team to win a Super Bowl at home, then you got to beat whoever is ahead of you. And along with the Patriots, I think. We are the most complete team on the field, or in the field. Yep, and I, I agree. Uh, this is, and yeah, I mean, this is a team that absolutely can win the Super Bowl. There's no doubt about it for me. It's the best defense I have seen. I, uh, the 92 Vikings had an incredible defense. The 93 Vikings had an incredible defense. 92 Vikings, we had a pretty good team there, but there was just something missing. They weren't as good, you know. They just weren't as good. The, Rich Gannon had that playmaking ability, the competitiveness, but he wasn't near his peak at the time. He he was still kind of like a good backup quarterback. That's when, what he was. Of course, you could say the same thing about Keenum, but Keenum ended up being much better than what Rich Gannon was in 92, but I really did like Rich Gannon. Then you bring in Jim McMahon, who was way past his prime, and he never was that great. The guy was as mobile as an oak tree. I mean, forget about it. <laughs> his arm was, eh, okay, and that team was... Eh, okay, they were 9-7, and seven and they beat, got beat by the Giants. They almost beat them, the Vikings did. A fairly mediocre, slightly above-average Giants team right away in 93. 94, you could go on forever. Very good defense. And a quarterback that was just, he was stupid. You know, as good as he was, he, you know, I shouldn't say he was stupid, but he was too aggressive. He forced too many plays, and it was really frustrating. Um, so, yeah, you could go on forever. 98, the defense was not that good. You had big names like John Randall and guys like that. Henry Thomas was already gone, which was really a bummer. Just imagine if Henry Thomas was still around. That guy was awesome. Um, where do you go from there, though? Obviously, Ed McDaniel was good, but he wasn't the same guy. He tore his ACL in 96. He came back in 97. Not the same ever since. He had moments, but he had moments. In 95, he was the best player on the team, but the rest of the defense sucked big time. Uh, Warren Moon had an awesome year in 95. Crazy good year. Like a Brett Favre of 09, almost. Almost. Not quite as good. But he was way better than he was in 94. Um, but then the uh, defense was just gone. It wasn't the same at all. The rush defense was hideous in 95 and 96. The secondary was pretty good in 96, but the rush defense, they just ran right through us like at Dallas Cowboys. They whooped the Vikings' butt in the first round that year. Yeah, you could go on forever. Uh, the 2009 defense was, you know, just, it was just okay. Uh, you had the Williams wall. You had Antoine Winfield, who was hurt the whole damn season. Safeties were not that good. I didn't, I, you know, I don't remember any safeties being anything great. The linebackers were okay. E.J. Henderson had his moments. And then he got hurt really, 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 really bad. Uh, Jamarcus Sanford, that was the guy's name, who broke his femur, broke uh, E.J. Henderson's femur. And it's just, eh, it was just a bunch of mediocre defensive uh, backs. God, they all, you know, some of them were just annoying to watch. Cedric Griffin had his moments. And then, of course, he magically gets hurt on the kickoff return. How heartbreaking was that uh, when the Vegas had to kick off to the Saints because of the stupid coin toss? But, okay, we could go on forever. Thank you, Dave Hickey, though. Definitely a uh, star candidate for the call-in and for the good post there again. So... Chuck Pagano of Indianapolis fired. Jack Del Rio of Oakland fired. Black Monday had started very early yesterday. Sebastian was saying already canned. Yep. 
continue here. This one, no responses. Oh, I was saying how, yep, two-thirds of the show were done, and I'd finish it tomorrow on New Year's Day, blah, blah, blah. John Fox and Jim Caldwell fired today. Uh, so both NFC North teams, John Fox, Chicago, Jim Caldwell fired. Jim Caldwell of Detroit, and there, there were all kind of rumors of that happening, and maybe they'd go after Shermer, but apparently they've been going after a lot of defensive coordinators already, according to Sebastian Barton. Uh, he says Lions would be legit if they get a running back and a good secondary that's why we'd have to strike while the iron is hot. Exactly, because things change so quick. Things change so quickly. It's crazy how quickly things change. You remember? Remember 2013, what the Vikings were? We were 3-13. and 13. Hideous. Like, you know, worse than the Bears this year. Much worse than the Bears this year. And look at the Vikings. 13-3. and three. Things change fast. Very, very fast. He says, but the Lions have already asked to interview Texans defensive coordinator, the Panthers defensive coordinator, and the Patriots defensive coordinator already. Wow. With the Patriots, it's weird. It's kind of like Hall and Oates syndrome with the Patriots. When the coaches stay together, it's the best coaching staff in football. When any of them goes on to try to be a head coach somewhere, they always fail for some reason. It's kind of goofy. It's kind of weird. It's, it's Hall and Oates syndrome. When Daryl Hall and John Oates stay together, it's the best duo on the planet. Blue-eyed soul, one of the greatest... One of the greatest uh, uh, duo of musician, musicians of all time. I just, you know, I'm not a, the biggest music guy in the world, but Hall & Oates is some of the best stuff ever. I just love those guys. Um, but when they split up for a while, they were not, it was like, it was like, uh, uh, what was that guy's name? We coached the Denver Broncos for three years, and they got fired him right away. He got rid of, uh, he did something smart getting rid of Jay Cutler, but other than that, downhill they went in a quick hurry. And, of course, Josh McDaniels is that guy, the guy with the visor and all that. We're happy for him. But <laughs> great offensive coordinator, but very little success outside of, uh, yes, <laughs> outside of uh, the New England Patriots. Very recent post from Brent Jacobson. He said, uh, I heard something interesting today about Case Keenum. He grew up one town over and from, one town over from and idolized Drew, Bred's Bled's, uh, Drew Brees and largely patterns his game after Drew. I can see that a little bit. I can see it a little bit. Uh, kind of that gritty style, the aggressive throwing. Uh, obviously, Drew Brees is at another level, but you're seeing more Drew Brees and Case Keenum than you saw in the, pre in the in the past, that's for sure. And, you know, anybody that plays any professional sport or even high school sport or amateur sport, you want to idolize your or you want to pattern your game after somebody. And I, I can see a little bit of Drew Brees and Case Keenum, sure. Um... The release needs to get a little bit faster, but then again, it's not that slow, though. It's not. It's not the fastest in the league, but, you know, obviously, Kurt Warner was the fastest ever. Brett Favre's was pretty quick, obviously. Uh, Kate Keenum's not Hall of Fame material just yet. Maybe maybe one day, if he keeps it up for a consistent amount of time, anything can happen. Drew Brees was a late starter. Uh, he started with San Diego, was mediocre for a few years. Then they bring in Phillip Rivers, light a fire under Drew Brees. Boom, the guy blows up. And moves on to New Orleans right away the next year because the <laughs> San Diego Chargers had made their move. I mean, you, you trade for Phillip Rivers and all that. Well, that's it. You, you're, you're up in the draft. You get Phillip Rivers, and then it's, well, you, you know, the history. The rest is history there. Both teams ended up with great quarterbacks, the Saints and the Chargers. Uh, Phillip Rivers won playoff games on the road. He overachieved with that team. Drew Brees went into a perfect situation, went to the conference finals his first year with the Saints, and of course, 2009, we try to forget that one. Yeah, we need the men in black for that. Let's let's flash that bright light in front of our eyes, let's forget 2009, and let's uh, look forward 
to the 2000, obviously 2017 season is over. The year of 2017 is over. And now it's the postseason, January 2018 into February 2018. And the quest begins for the <laughs> ending the drought and climbing the steepest hill. The most impossible mission. Uh, it's the only way to end a drought is going the impossible route. And I think the pieces are in place for that to happen. Let's get her done, guys. Let's get her done. It's quite simple there. So, again, I give a shout-out to MN Vikings Haven. Of course, Facebook.com forward slash Pro Mafia Show and at Pro Mafia Show. Let's get to the call-in line, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. I already talked about that and the call-now button on the Facebook page. So then we'll go to the final route for that. The audio submission route, which is what Dave Martin uses out of Northern Scotland, you use either the smart... Uh, you. Use the uh, free recording application on your smart device. Treat it like a phone call and email it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com, in which I'll turn it into an MP3 file, put it into the Audacity, and ready to rock and roll. And also, if you want to use it on a laptop instead of a smart device, just download Audacity if you don't already, and you have a microphone, whatever, and go, go through it that way. And then send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. All this information will be in the show description. I thank you in advance for joining the show. And also, one final thing, if you could please uh, give a positive rating for Purple Mafia on iTunes or Stitcher, it would be greatly appreciated, and you will be guaranteed a star for this episode. So, for this episode, I'm going to give a gold star to Dave Hickey and uh, Kurt Back are both going to share the gold star this episode. I thought Kurt was very active. I, I had to get. I, I really wanted to give him the gold star for the show. Dave Hickey, I think, deserves one as well. Awesome. Uh, Brent Jacobson is going to get a strong gold-plated silver star. Great call-in. Always appreciate his inclusion. And, of course, the final little post there, too. Pretty cool little background about uh, Case Keenum. Appreciate that. Gold-plated silver star for him. Um, and then... Gerald String and Mark Carlson will bring them the bronze once again. Those guys have so many bronzes and silvers and golds. The, their trophy case is so full. It's it's chocked heavy. Uh, so many of you obviously deserve... Oh, wait. Uh, Tony Coleman's going to get a silver star. Uh, great effort as well. I loved what he had to say and putting the young man on there, Caleb. That was very cool. The, the Vikings versus the Steel Wolves. <laughs> the Steel Wolves. Well, the Wolves were steel last night. The Timberwolves crushed Indiana on the road. That was fun. That's the best New Year's Eve game I've seen in I don't know how long. The Wild made a habit of losing every stinking year on New Year's Eve. And the Timberwolves a couple of years ago went into the palace, the palace of Auburn Hills, the Detroit Pistons, who weren't even that good at the time. And they scorched the Timberwolves like it was just a joke. Like we were standing still. They were running around, shooting threes and making them. And running around and shooting threes and making them. And it was nonstop. And the Wolves lost by like 30 in that game. It was a complete joke. Wolves crushed Indiana by over 20 last night. Awesome. So, how the Wolves will play the Los Angeles Lakers. Christmas Day, New Year's Day. Cool. <laughs> Let's uh, have some holiday cheer. Wrap up the holidays in New Year's Day, which I think is an underrated holiday, because it's extremely chill. You could finally relax. You go anywhere, it's a lot calmer, a lot quieter. And I couldn't care less about college football, but okay. I'm much more worried about the NFL playoffs than any college playoff or any of that stuff or bowl games. And the Gophers drive me nuts anyway, so that's kind of what that is. I hope everybody had a safe and happy uh, happy New Year last night and into today. Hope you're enjoying yourself, relaxing, listening to some Purple Mafia, and, of course, getting whatever chores you need done around the house, this and that, or whatever else it is, errands or chopping ice off your driveway. I mean, it could be a million things, chopping ice off your car. Yeah, there's that. 
because it does the slush builds up underneath your <laughs> like around your tires and it completely freezes when it's below zero and it's not fun it's basically like cement at that point i mean yeah it's pretty pretty ridiculous but thanks again for joining the show please tell your friends and we will be back in a week to review the wild card round and preview the divisional round which will obviously will obviously feature the minnesota vikings next opponent and the very first one in the quest to end the drought <laughs>